Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tung. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. I'm your host, Peter Tung, on this glorious sunny day on the West Coast. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And I'm delighted to, to uh, welcome back to the show today Bruce Rawls, who was actually on the show just over two years ago. And Bruce has done some really interesting work fitting together the hermetic laws with the different codes of sacred geometry. So Bruce, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks, Peter. I appreciate you having me back again. So just uh, remind our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this uh, very interesting place of connecting the, the hermetic laws with the, the, the sacred geometry. Okay. Well, actually, kind of in the early 70s, I uh, was exposed to a couple of books. Um, one was uh, Secrets of the Great Pyramid by Peter Tompkins and another This Living Earth by David Cavagnaro. And, and both of those books uh, talked about uh, this, uh, in from very different contexts, the, 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 the mathematical proportion known as the golden ratio or the phi or phi proportion, and it's about 1.618, um, it's sort of mathematically inclined. <laughs> and, um, what, what intrigued me at the time was, well, here's something that was encoded in stone in, in the Great Pyramid of Egypt, which I subsubsequently visited, uh, back in the mid 70s. And uh, it's actually the, 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 the mid-90s. I planned to go there in the mid-70s. Uh, and then, uh, you know, all kinds of architecture and art from Da Vinci and Michelangelo and, and you know, the, the, the Renaissance artist just had a field day with this proportion. If you look at the canvases and some of the uh, the X-ray retouching, you see the, the lines that they drew with pentagons and, and golden rectangles, which are made of from this proportion of golden triangles, all those sort of things. Um, and all all the way to the other end of the, the sort of spectrum of interest, I guess you could say, would be the the natural world and how the the Fibonacci series, uh, which relates to this golden proportion, is encoded into everything from Phil ferns and sunflower seed heads and the spirals that, that make up chambered nautilus shells and, and spiral galaxies and uh, uh, subatomic uh, uh, relationships for particles to from very small to to galactic relationships. So there's a colleague named Nassim Haramein who's done some work with that that shows how this proportion is actually 
um, evident in major astronomical uh, orders of magnitude, if you will, from the size of the things like superclusters to galaxies to to uh, um, planetary systems to to suns and so forth, and all the way down to into the the quark level. So it's it's one of those things that just intrigued me, and I, I wanted to know well, what is the the principles that that are behind this mathematics and there's lots of great stuff out there. I, I put a site together some years ago called the, the Geometry Code. Uh, originally, it was Intent.com, and then uh, Deepak Chopra's daughter <laughs> bought the domain from us. Now she's doing some other cool things with it. But, but uh, the, the current site is GeometryCode.com, and, and if, if your listeners want to check that out, I have a whole bunch of stuff on there on sacred geometry. The introduction tab it gives you some some ideas of how. Um, not only the golden ratio, but there's all kinds of proportions that have to do with interconnectedness. And it was that idea that, that somehow the we-they paradigm that, that are, we're so, you know, embroiled in in our, our culture, no matter what part of the planet you're on, is really just uh, a misconception. And then I kind of grew, I grew up in uh, Livermore, California. My dad was actually a, a supervisor on a cyclotron. And so I um, kind of grew up with, with uh, words like isotope and deuterium and and uh, those sorts of things, and so I I was always interested in, in the physics, but even more importantly the the metaphysics behind it. And so I wanted to know what were the, the principles of interconnectedness that that bring everyone together as a whole or as a unit. And uh, I found that that modern physics, as well as the, the ancient wisdom traditions, also were leading in that direction. And so that's why. Um, uh, just this last year, I, I put together, finished putting together uh, a second book. The first one was all geometric patterns uh, called the Sacred Geometry Design Sourcebook, and that's been out for over a decade. Um, it's almost all patterns. Um, and this second book called The Geometry Code, appropriately enough, is actually um, kind of the, the opposite in a sense in that uh, it actually is really more about what are the, what's the metaphysics behind this principle of interconnectedness and why... Why is that so important? Um, so that's really what I wanted to to get into in uh, this, uh, this, I guess you could call it a sequel, <laughs> although they're very different books in some respects. But the idea so Bruce, that everything let me just connected uh, is uh, hold you for pretty a second. important. Let me hold you for a second there and, and uh, make a, a couple of comments because one sure. of the things I've noted with a lot of, a lot of people who do the work uh, with the ley lines and with the sacred geometry and the vortexes and so on, find all of the relationships that exist, which is, which is beautiful, but then don't connect into the next step, which is, well, what is, what is the significance? Why is this important? Why did they do all of this? What, what is the reason behind all of this? As you say, what is the metaphysics behind the physics? What is the meta, whatever you would call it, <laughs> of, of uh, the, the geometry and the significance of it? So it's really great that you're tying these things together. And I'm going to ask uh, or suggest to our listeners who are on, uh, listening through the computer that you may actually want to go to the www.geometrycode.com website now because while we're discussing uh, the connections between uh, the, the interconnectedness of all things and the sacred geometry, it would be really neat for you to be absorbing some of the beautiful structures that, uh, that Bruce displays uh, on the website. And perhaps you could just mention the website for a couple of moments there, Bruce. Sure, sure. In fact, yeah, on the geometrycode.com website, um, the second tab over on the top is Introduction, and that is actually what I had, the, kind of the original page, and that uh, has been linked to all over creation, it seems. Uh, and and uh, so that 
if you if you Google sacred geometry, it's usually in the, the top five or ten. Has has been for for many years. Um, the idea that that there really is this interconnectedness, and that as you, and I'm so glad you you know, you know appreciate that that importance of that idea that that uh, it's really our relationship to each other that is is in a sense that transcends the individual components uh, of of any given symbol or or pattern. And I think that's that that uh, interrelatedness um, that permeates. Uh, the study of, of this that really brings the meaning into into uh, into focus, and, it, it, and that's why. In um, uh, so, if you if you if you look at the the introduction page, we start with a sphere and a circle, um, the point, the, and then get into things like the square to two, the golden ratio, um, the vesica Pisces spirals. There's all kinds of shapes, but. What I, what I wanted to know in Torahizing, it just goes on and on, the, uh, fractals, all those things really bring back to a single focus the idea of a wholeness or a unity uh, when seen from a thought system that brings us to the idea that, that there really is only one thing. And that's, again, where, where uh, uh, <laughs> it sounds ridiculously simplistic, but that's actually where modern physics uh, I believe is leading us to, as well as a lot of the ancient wisdom traditions, that if um, you know Einstein and and Planck and and Bohr and, and Heisenberg and all those folks uh, several decades ago, uh, you know, better part of the century in in some respects, uh, uh, when they got together in Copenhagen, they they uh, kind of looked at each other when they realized the implications of what they were finding, which became you know, birthed quantum mechanics and quantum physics. Um, they recognized the idea that mind was a primary aspect of physics, and uh, and for you know many years they've talked about the ghost and the machine. Well, the ghost and the machine is the idea of consciousness or mind, and that's why. And that kind of ties into. <laughs> sounds like we're all over the map, but there really actually is a, a, a purpose to, to where all this is going. The idea that mind is primary means that. Uh, our awareness and our worldview, our, our paradigm, if you will, of, of either oneness or, or multiplicity or duality is, is crucial to how we see things. And from the standpoint of a holistic paradigm, a paradigm or a worldview that, that suggests that, that space and time are just fragmentary, uh, in a sense, misinterpretations of a, a single unifying principle, then from that perspective, uh, all the, the paradoxes can be reconciled. But when you try to look at it from, from you know, within the battlefield of duality, so to speak, um, or as Einstein said, you know, you can never solve the problem from the level at which it was made. <laughs> and I think that's really true of our dualistic egoic mind. And that's why in this um, uh, the second book I, I start out with something that seems a quite removed uh, on the surface from geometric symbols, the idea of our question of identity and the two thought systems that those, those two different identities represent, um, I think that's really important because when we look at what identity we're coming from, if we're coming from an identity that, that says you and I are the same thing, uh, no matter who the you and who the I are, uh, it, can be, it can be individual people, it can be objects in our environment, it can be the cosmos itself. All those dualistic notions um, essentially lead to a fragmentation or a fractality. Now we can we can use 
the divergent symbols of things that you know are uh, fragmenting or fracturing into countless parts, which of course is everything that we see in the in the, in the universe, uh, as a reminder to bring ourselves back to wholeness by finding the commonality or generalizing what's common to uh, each seeming uh, specific individual. So, um, <laughs> so where, where this is all going is is that we can use modern physics, which would basically was telling us from those folks in Copenhagen who looked at, uh, for example, the, the fact that you can take two electrons in a pair and you can change the spin on one and the, the spin on its partner electron will change instantaneously. The, the, the angle that that axis is pointing to, the direction that axis is pointing to, will change instantaneously, not not at you know the speed of light or a million times the speed of light, but instantaneously. So what that suggests is that the idea of time, as we understand it, and space, if, if you want, if you were to extrapolate where that is leading, um, it suggests that those are misperceptions that we have adopted in order to make sense of what would some might call a pretty mad, crazy world. <laughs> so, Bruce, we're actually uh, coming up to our first break, and that's a good okay. time for us to take a deep breath and uh, start really thinking deeply about uh, some of the concepts you're, you're talking about. This is Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. I'm going to be adventuring all over the, well, it seems all over the world in the next few weeks, off to all over North America and uh, Europe. Uh, but the shows are going to continue each week, and I've got some wonderful guests lined up coming through in, in actually the next uh, three months. So uh, stay tuned. There will be lots of uh, interesting chats, and keep an eye on their websites, www.petertongue.com, as well as www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, and you'll be getting updates on uh, those websites as uh, as this beautiful, beautiful journey that we are on unfolds. And part of that journey is our discussion today with Bruce Rawls, who's just put out a second book called The Geometry Code, 
And I'm encouraging you, if you can, right now, while we have this discussion, to go to www.geometrycode.com where you'll see some wonderful sacred geometrical images that Bruce will be talking about in the uh, remainder of the show. So, Bruce, before we get into that combination connection between the hermetic laws and the sacred geometry and the oneness, uh, how did the hermetic laws come into the picture from your perspective? Well, I was thanks, Peter. Uh, I, I was exposed to those in a, in a wonderful little book that's, uh, I believe, uh, it's not exactly uh, pretty close to it, celebrating its centennial anniversary uh, called the Kabbalion, K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N. And uh, if you Google that, you can actually find the entire text of that. It's a, it's a pretty small book online, and um, it's, it was written by the three initiates in 1912. At least that's the copyright on the, the book, dog-eared copy I have here. And it talks about seven hermetic laws that are basically the same for everyone, um, unlike human human laws that you know kind of depend on which jurisdiction that sort of thing. I was always interested in what what applies to everyone equally. So you don't have to keep relearning if you you know move around or that sort of thing, or or if you're a time traveler for that matter, you know what what works no matter who or where or when you are. Uh, and these laws, I think, fit very nicely with that. Um, there's seven of them. There's the the law of mentalism, which we'd already touched on briefly, that everything is mental, um, which really ties into the the idea of the ghost in the machine of modern physics. That really consciousness is primary, and form really is is a reflection or a manifestation of mind. The second being correspondence, which is the probably the one most people are familiar with, actually. It's sort of in, in pop culture. It's become known as the as above, so below, as below, so above principle. Uh, one could also say that it also is the as within, so without principle. And um, I, I think oftentimes we we forget about the fact that we're um, the, the, the primary instigator of <laughs> the within that becomes the without. And then we uh, we assume that the without is what is uh, um, you know, changing our, our reality, we forget that we, we launched the ship that has come back to us. So I think that's where the law of correspondence can be extremely helpful in uh, recognizing that not only is, uh, are we living in a mental universe, but that everything that uh, appears in front of us at any given moment is a perfect opportunity to, um, first of all, let go of our grievances around it, because we're the creators of it, or the makers anyway, um, and then uh, we have the the third law, which is the law of vibration. And the law of vibration, as is, you is, probably could all imagine, is, is has to do with the huge gamut of, of sensory data that we take in at gigabytes per per uh, second, I suppose, <laughs> or more. And um, the the idea of the law of vibration is that really everything resonates uh, in the, the the manifest world in which we live and is, again, a result of one of two thought systems. There's, there's either, either the thought system of ideas that bring us uh, in accord or resonance or harmony with the idea of wholeness or integration, or there are thoughts that lead away from that. Uh, and then the, the fourth law, the law of polarity, has to do with the idea that, that everything in the, the illusory world, if you will, uh, express, expresses itself in terms of opposites or polarities or contrasts. And uh, it doesn't take too many minutes of watching the evening news or, or uh, flipping through anything on the web or, or radio or <laughs> newspaper, anything, or just looking around you out the window or, or you know, around the room, whatever you're trying to be, and seeing that there's, there's opposites everywhere. I mean, it, our... our Universe is really just uh, fraught with uh, this seemingly overwhelming collection of 
polarities and opposites and and things that seem to be fighting with each other. And um, and in a sense, that's sort of how we set it up. But there's a, an inner teacher of kindness, if you will, that uh, can bring us out of that paradigm or out of that thought system by tuning into um, just following what we're guided to to be kind in any given situation. And that, I think, uh, reconciles those opposites. And in a sense, we... we recognize that we are a mental being that can transcend that. Uh, in the world of form, there's always going to be contrast. That we can find a still point, which would be the singularity that physics talks about at the center of every of every uh, particle, that uh, essentially kind of winks out the the, uh, the dualistic aspects of materiality. So that that's that's the first four of the of the seven. We'll we'll go through the next last three. We've gone through mentalism, correspondence, vibration. Polarity, and then the fifth one is rhythm, and rhythm relates to the ebb and flow of cycles on a, on a grander scale uh, than the law of vibration, where it's so fast that we don't really notice any any uh, you know, specific aspect or quality at any given moment. It's, it's uh, uh, the, the law of rhythm basically is where there's a gradual fluctuation, even though in a sense they're both sort of sinusoidal rhythm, rhythm rhythms. <laughs> Hence the idea of the rhythm. And there's uh, another principle that allows us to, again, using one of two thought systems, we can either go with the flow, uh, the inner flow, so to speak, of uh, not resisting what appears to be happening and not making big deals out of, of uh, our circumstances. And then we discover we tend to flow through life with relative ease and effortlessness. Uh, or we can resist the heck out of it. <laughs> and when we're in that mode, uh, you know, we're... we're Fighting the currents uh, tooth and nail. Uh, and in, in the book I have, uh, the Geometry Code book, I, I put a little metaphor of, of sailboating as, as one of the, like, the key concepts because years ago when I first got in a sailboat, uh, uh, I was kind of amazed that, you know, the wind could be blowing the opposite direction to the direction you want to go, but by tacking back and forth, you can actually go opposite the direction of what appears to be this, this inevitable force that's moving you against it. And, uh, you know, it's all about geometric angles and all that sort of thing. So it's really about looking at how we resist and how we can use our inspiration to um, navigate through what appears to be happening to us by not making big deals out of things. We oftentimes can find ourselves in gloriously wonderful um, situations, not necessarily outwardly, but always inwardly. Uh, although, you know, occasionally the outer conditions can, can be pleasant. <laughs> Well, uh, so, so there's the, the, the fifth law, and then the remaining two are cause and effect and gender or generation. And cause and effect is one of those uh, uh, laws that we're all familiar with, and so often we, we tend to focus on the idea of the cause. Uh, certainly when I was growing up, the, the classic debate was nature or nurture. Is it, is, is it something in your genes and your, your familial uh, uh, you know, genetic patterning or is it your upbringing or but it's but in any case it's you know it's a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of a thing of, of no matter what uh your peace of mind is is dependent on externals of one sort or another and uh the idea of cause and effect taken to a metaphysical level of a, of, of non-duality uh allows us to recognize that if our mind is the primary cause and the, the material world that we see around us is, is an effect of that cause, then suddenly we're no longer at the mercy of what seems to be going on around us. That we're 
in fact, independent of that. Uh, and that's a pretty amazing and uh, a powerful revelation when we recognize that what the universe is trying to, to um, speak to us in, at every given, any given moment, it's really speaking to our mind uh, when we're coming from that, that non-dual thought system of, of realizing that our mind is really primary and the, uh, the effect that seems to happen as a result of that is secondary. So cause and effect, again, we tend to forget about the outgoing cycle of what we um, put out to the, the, the cosmos with our thoughts and feelings, and we just pay an uh, inordinate and uh, disproportionate amount of attention to what comes back to us and think that that's the big deal, and that's what we somehow are going to change directly, and yet we know, I think intuitively, that if not rationally, that <laughs> that's never going to happen. So... Um, there's the law of cause and effect that, it apply, again, like all these seven laws, applies to everyone, including the last one, which is the law of gender generation, which states that everything has masculine and feminine aspects within our dualistic um, you know, cosmos. And we uh, typically, uh, <laughs> probably 99.9% of the population either hangs out in a... Uh, a predominantly male or predominantly female body, female body, um, and uh, the idea that that we can look at how, how things generate be uh, because of the union of masculine and feminine principles, not just physically but but mentally, that we recognize that thought and feeling together um, create experience, and that uh, uh, for another metaphor is electricity and magnetism come together to make light, and without either one, if we're in the dark, so. So we really need the, the uh, harmonious blend of both those elements. And uh, again, once again, we, we're so used to thinking that, that uh, if we're one or the other, then you know, we're, we're uh, only part of the equation. And yet, mentally, we're both. I mean, we both have masculine and feminine principles in our mind, and that we have thought and feeling uh, and, and awareness, and those thoughts and feelings together generate uh, the entire world we see, and we, we vastly underestimate the power of our minds to to make what's what's happening to us. And then, of course, we vastly underestimate how much of that is unconscious. And so bringing all of these laws into into focus and into to play for our benefit and everyone's benefit is really the task before us, which involves uh, you know, sensitivity to our intuition. It involves um, a mindfulness of being kind. It involves really just looking at everything that is fed back to us and using that as symbolic reminders to, to really forgive ourselves for, for dreaming up a, a world of separation and including everyone uh, in our heart's uh, awareness, if you will, so that um, we really undo the barriers that we've made mentally that, that create the, the, the dream of separation that we believe is real. So, anyway, so Bruce, one of the aspects of my... <laughs> One of the aspects of my work um, recently is, is interesting and it connects together this notion of generation, gender and polarity and that is within lots of relationships people are in, whether it be a, a marriage or whether it be a partnership, whether it be family uh, situations, that within that uh, context one person uh, in a relationship is beginning to see this connectedness, this, this oneness aspect and the other one is not which creates another separation or polarity between those people. 
And uh, there are a lot of people going through this situation right now in this challenge of, of one person wanting to connect to the oneness and the other person resisting and yet being connected with each other through family ties or through marriage or whatever it is. Would you like to comment upon that? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think that is a primary tool. In fact, um, one, of, one of my favorite influences in, in uh, for many years, and, and particularly in the last five, five or six years, uh, is uh, this spiritual masterpiece called A Course in Miracles. And uh, the idea that it postulates is that relationship is a, a key, key ingredient for having us look at what we've projected outward. Uh, and the, all the primary relationships are, are the, like the perfect raw material for us to, to practice our, our lessons and forgiveness, if you will and to recognize that there really is no separation and that what we see uh, reflected in our world, particularly our, our home, our, our work, our, uh, you know, the people that are closest to us, they are the, the, the highly honed, polished mirrors <laughs> of, of what typically we're not willing to look at within ourselves. And in order to really, we're just coming to our second break here. So I'm going to hold oh, you sure. there, and we'll come back to this top, really important topic when we come back. Oh, Peter Tung for awakening to conscious co-creation. This is the Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. And just before the break. Bruce Rawls was getting into what I think is probably the most important nugget of separation that we have to crack, and that is the relationships that we have with those people closest to us. In my world, particularly where one member of the partnership is having this awakening, opening, taking place within their world, and their partner or their family members are resisting that and creates all sorts of turmoil and tumult. And in some ways, Bruce, I know the people who are opening up and awakening feel that it, they're the ones making all the, con- the concessions and of course that's because they're they're aware so so help help those people understand how to manage this certainly yeah that that, that I, like you say peter that, that is just such a crucially important uh, uh exercise or uh, arena of, of work for for us to uh, evolve and and grow and 
and learn and, and really let go of the, the, the belief in separation by using the raw material of relationships uh, as a primary mechanism for that. And, and I think when you point out the, you know, the, the seeming disparities of one person becoming more aware of certain things than another, uh, that is, uh, again, one of those things that uh, is such a common thing to happen. And I think what, what it really gets back to is, is how willing are we to look at our own projections and realize that uh, everyone in our life is mathematically perfect, if you will, as a mirror or a reflection of some aspect of ourself that we haven't uh, healed our relationship, our belief in separation around. And uh, so the idea that, that <laughs> the cliché of the other person needs to change, if you will, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like the, the classic, uh, you know, metaphysical joke in the sense that we're also conditioned to um, use, I think it was, was it Calvin and Hobbes that came up with the blame thrower? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the idea that, you know, there's somebody out there that is responsible. And uh, and then, of course, when we really look at the, the folly of that, it, it just becomes totally hilarious because we realize that, okay, if, if this is really true, if, if what the ancient mystics are telling us, and what modern physics are telling us, you know, that the ghost in the machine is really the the idea that that um, you know mind is is, is uh, um, something that tells us that we're not separate, and that bodies, you know, shout out the idea that that we're separate individuals. So shifting the emphasis emphasis through mind from body back to spirit uh, is again the gargantuan and. Um, Seemingly, you know, I mean, incredibly daunting and yet ultimately doable task that we're, we're presented with moment to moment. And, and um, you know, one of the one of the, uh, the supplements in the uh, Course in Miracles that, that really addresses this nicely is the psychotherapy pamphlet. Um, that uh, there's you know, a number of things that are adjuncts to this this uh, masterpiece, and, and it, uh, in there it says it's never about the patient. <laughs> and, and I think I think that's. Um, you know, when we apply, you know, the idea of the patient or the client or whatever to our individual lives, you know, not just for psychotherapists, but if, if it, indeed we're all uh, our own psychotherapists by looking at what it is we've done to make others out there and then, you know, being becoming amused, I think, at how we, often we do that and forgiving ourselves for doing that, I think, is key because, you know, we're... we're Taught to judge so you know split second hair trigger uh, anything that seems to be to happen to us particularly in you know our fine tuned uh, sensitivity both physically and mentally we're we're honed to uh, respond or react to the, the the least little slight or insult in our world <laughs> and and yet the whole idea is to to look at those things and recognize that they're uh, mirrors or reflections or symbolic emissaries, if you will, of things that are gifts to us to bring back to wholeness what appear to be separate relationships. And and but first by doing it, recognizing that our, our we're totally complicit in, uh, complicit in it, and uh, you know it's our our own doing in essence that has brought those circumstances to us. That when uh, uh, we can use we can use metaphors that are geometric as well. And that's why. I, when I when I went through uh, the seven hermetic laws and thought about well what's the law of correspondence uh, 
um, what would be a good symbol for that? And, and the Vesica Pisces, which is the, the shape that's formed by two intersecting circles and of the same diameter where the circumference of one touches the center of the other. Or when we reach out, um, essentially, from what we think we are and, and touch the heart, you know, with that boundary of, of self, and then that, that periphery touches the center of the other circle, you have a shape that looks like a human eye. And how appropriate for that. I mean, if the eye is the mirror of the soul and we're all mirrors of each other on a, on a, on a spiritual level, then collapsing that duality through the mechanism of sight, not, not just physically, but even more important, mentally, recognizing that, that maybe it's our third eye, inner eye, if you will, <laughs> the, the eye of, of unity above the, the two of duality or above the battleground of duality that, that really is is the transcendent unity that brings what appears to be otherness back into oneness and back into wholeness. And so, so again, we can use, whenever we see someone eye to eye uh, and, and smile, <laughs> which is another vesicle shape in respect <laughs> to a certain extent, um, we can look at those geometric metaphors and say, wow, how interesting that, that even those um, seemingly uh, abstract and, you know, very generalized uh, forms can be mirrors of an awareness that guides us gently back to wholeness. And uh, so anyway, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that, that whole idea of, you know, the importance of relationship because uh, uh, well, everyone in our me. life is, is exactly who we need to be um, appreciating as our, our perfect teacher moment to moment because, how could it be otherwise if there really is uh, a, uh, an intelligence to, to everything that, uh, that we've made? Uh, an intelligence from the standpoint of that, that wholeness, uh, from the standpoint of the idea that every, everybody's in it for themselves and, and the whole egoic notion of uh, uh, you know, divide and conquer. <laughs> well, from that standpoint, it's all crazy and, and all bets are off kind of thing. And yet we, we vacillate between those two thought systems all the time. So... Uh, ideally, uh, as we become more attuned to that, that guidance, or I, I like to call it the teacher of kindness, um, we can begin to see eye to eye and then inwardly, mentally collapse the boundaries. Because obviously we're not going to you know, invite uh, people over for a potluck and have 7 billion people on the planet show up at our door, but uh, we can't extend a physical invitation to, to everyone we know. But we certainly can do it mentally and in our hearts um, by by certainly becoming aware of moment-to-moment when we would want to exclude someone or make someone different or make someone um, uh, separate in, in, our, in our minds. Uh, so that, I think, becomes a, a wonderfully helpful metaphor uh, on an ongoing basis to just look at how often we want to put somebody in our goatscape rather than our, our landscape, uh, so to speak. So, so the, to look at that, the first symbol uh, that I picked for the law of metabolism... Just, just before you go on there, Bruce, I just wanted to comment for me, just because this is really a neat uh, example, I think, of what you're expressing in the book, is when you were talking about that correspondence in the Vizca Pisces, here are you and I sitting thousands of miles apart on the end of two telephone lines connected through Voice America. Uh-huh. And yet I can see and sense this, my expanding circle, your expanding circle, and the outer edge of your circle touching my heart, and the outer edge of, uh, edge of my system touching your heart, 
and we're together, we're connected, we're, we're, we're one in this process that we're going through right now. It's a beautiful exactly. way, yeah. in way in which the geometry helps us remember that connection. It does, it does. And, I, and I, I think the reason those symbols can be helpful, not to get hung up on them, because the symbols themselves aren't important, it's just the meaning behind them that, that is really important. But when, when, those, when we look at the meaning of what those symbols are, exactly as you, you just eloquently expressed, is that, that when our hearts are connected, there really is that, that uh, idea of expanding circles. And, and ultimately, if there's just one thing, and there really is the, the essence of what we are is infinite, then each circle is really embraces not only the whole universe, but beyond that, because we're really more than, than we could possibly imagine uh, individually. And, and I think that that's one of the exercises in that one of my uh, favorite authors, Gary Renard, who actually uh, was instrumental in uh, getting me, uh, uh, my enthusiasm and interest rekindled in the, the non-dual metaphysics of A Course in Miracles, uh, one of the exercises that he has in a, an audio program called Fearless Love is basically to look at everyone in our life, not as a fragment or a partial aspect of spirit, but all of spirit, all of wholeness, all of uh, the total creative awareness of, of life. And uh, I find that when I remember to do it, <laughs> like everything else, <laughs> when I remember to do it, and forgive myself when I forget, uh, when I remember to do it, it's, it's an incredibly powerful exercise, and I think it touches... Um, completely uh, on the the idea that you were just sharing, Peter. That, that you know we 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 appear to be you know separate individuals, you know physically uh, remote by thousands of miles and connected by technology. And yet, the idea that we're able to communicate and to share is is really uh, a testament uh, to the idea that that mind is primary. That really thoughts are um, uh, essential and uh, form really is ultimately. A placeholder or a mnemonic device that ultimately can be discarded after we win the lessons. So that's why I don't want people to get hung up on the symbols. As, as interesting as they are, as much fun we, as we have with them, um, it's really the meaning behind them that's so so important. And we'll, and we'll come back to the symbols in a minute. But one of the questions I was going to have for you is, <laughs> how are you doing yourself with this process? And when you said uh, sometimes you, you uh, remembering to do it is the key, and then you have to forgive yourself if you don't. <laughs> oh, exactly. And I think, that, I think that's really crucial because, you know, we're, we're beset with so much that we, we've forgotten and we made up, <laughs> this whole universe, in a sense. And, and we, we embarked on this grand, silly experiment of duality and, and uh, chose to be born into a world of bodies and form and, and all kinds of uh, things that drag us in so many different directions. So mindfulness really is key. And, and part, I think a crucial part of that um, mindfulness is being gentle with ourselves. And, and then when you catch yourself being at odds and, and upset with someone in your life or some, some circumstance or, you know, whether it's the weather or, you know, your, your computer's uh, offline, or <laughs> you, can, you can think of countless examples of, of things in our world that, you know, the, the cliches of being stuck in traffic or, you know, all the things that, that, that in our modern world um, we are confronted with on a daily basis, moment to moment, and just look at those things and say, oh, this is an opportunity to either look at the, the world that I'm experiencing as a um, symbolic mirror of wholeness or as something that um, I can choose with a dualistic thought system to drive me further apart from all that is. And I think is, there's a cultivation of that mindfulness that, that does admittedly takes a lot of time, maybe maybe many lifetimes, but 
but the 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 end result I think is so important um, because it, it, it really I think is what brings us together with uh, the world and and uh, you know and heals heals what seem to be factions within the world but really again back to our mind that's where where they, <laughs> where they germinated in the first place and so that's where we need to address them where where they appear to be and and work with that uh, directly. Where we where we think we are in the world, and that's where these things I think before, are helpful. Before we go on and just chat a bit about the geometries themselves that you've related to each of the seven uh, laws, just just give us a word on the ego and and how it fits into this. Sure, I, I think that uh, the ego is is really um, <laughs> ultimately it's it's not even real, but we've we've made up just as I and I, I love you know, I, I put some quotes in this book. Uh, the second book, uh, uh, some you know, luminaries like Shakespeare, you know, like all the world's a stage, uh, and we're merely actors. And I think the actors on the stage are the the identities that we we ascribe to ourselves. And um, you know, for a, a few decades now, I, I walk to the bathroom mirror, like probably a lot of your listeners and yourself do, uh, in the morning, and and I I look at this this uh, you know collection of photons that stares back at me <laughs> in my mind anyway, and I say, well. Is this, is this really who I am? And uh, and I think asking those kind of questions of you know questioning the reality of this identity that we made up that that has a specific name and has a you know a face and, and a body and a persona and all it's like well you know it's it's pretty surreal when you stop and look at it when you when you really take a, a good uh, look at how silly it is and another another favorite movie. I, I saw. Before you go on, Bruce, actually, Bruce, before you go on, we're in, coming up to our final break, so I'll oh, okay. let you just finish the story when we come back. It's Peter okay, Tongue, sure. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. 
Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. We do have one or two spots still left available on our Celtic Mystical Journeys Sacred Site Tour to southern France in September. So if you are interested in that, please go to www.celticmysticaljourneys.com and come and join Finbar Ross and myself as we lead a fascinating and wonderful tour through the Cathar country of southern France, ending up in Chartres Cathedral and downtown Paris. Having me today, Bruce Rawls, who is talking about his new book, The Geometry Code. And Bruce, you were just about to talk about one of your favorite movies before we had the break. Well, I have a lot of favorite movies, Peter, but <laughs> the one that came to mind just before the break was, uh, believe it or not, a, a Dr. Seuss film, uh, which you know, most people think it was kid stuff. But, but I happened to, to uh, watch uh, Horton Hears the Who uh, a few years back, and I, I did it with kind of the mindset of, this virtu- my my favorite genre of movies is virtual reality films because I think we're actually sort of living in a giant virtual reality film of our own making, and um, so so watching with that idea that that uh, the macrocosm and the microcosm that are depicted in this movie of uh, this elephant who happens to there uh, um, ever so faintly hear this little sound coming from this speck of dust dust floating by, which is uh, this entire kingdom of Whoville. Uh, I thought that was really a great metaphor for how we make such a big deal and attach such special importance on the things that are in our personal life, since we were talking just before that about the ego, and how, you know, in the cosmic sense, if you think about the, both either the spatial or the temporal, temporal magnitudes of, of our experience, that we see uh, one octave of light out of countless octaves of an electromagnetic spectrum, um, we occupy a meter or so out of uh, how many light years in any direction of space. We if we take good care of our bodies. We, we maybe hang around for a century out of how how many epochs and and uh, <laughs> millennia of what would appear to be an eternal uh, temporal expanse uh, in both directions. And yet we make such a huge deal out of our own little personal turf that. Uh, it gets pretty hilarious if we can, can kind of notice the surreality of it all and, and see our, our lives as like little Whoville dramas and, um, and kind of not, not to belittle ourselves or to, to think any less of our, our, our efforts or our lives or, you know, our material ambitions or anything like that, but just to not take them quite so seriously and just, just to kind of ease up on our white knuckle grip on the reality that we think is ourself. And, uh, and I think that's where, uh, these these hermetic laws actually can can work for us in order to bring us to um, as re- only as reminders, with the premise being that we're we're seeing them from a non-dual uh, holistic uh, perspective. Uh, and so um, so the other note is because in the last few minutes of the show, for you to actually talk a little bit about some of the actual sacred geometrical patterns and their connection to the laws and how they can be used as beneficial tools for us to actually find our true certainly. Certainly. Uh, okay, well, I think what I might do, actually, is since we started, actually, with some of the, 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 the early laws of the, the first few, I might kind of work my way backwards, and then we... Uh, so we'll, we'll go backwards from the law of generation, which is the seventh one. Uh, that actually kind of ties back to the first one, and then it, it reminds us that if we generalize, we can look at the, the outer circle of the, the yin-yang symbol, if you will, and uh, if, if you think of the yin-yang as really being made up of a circle that has two circles half as big um, that are balancing or, or 
polarizing, if you will, the, the two masculine and feminine aspects of creation. And uh, looking at that in a fractal, which is what I put on the cover of the book and, and on the website and so forth, on the geometry code, so you can see the, the cover illustration, it'd be the upper one in the two o'clock position. So you really have a, a fractal image of uh, two circles within two circles within two circles and so forth. So, well, each each one, one circle divided into two, and each of those divided into two further. And so you get the idea of the, the genetics. And uh, on a biological level, we have the the uh, a pair of parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, and then we go to 1632 and, and exploding um, toward a, a mass uh, population explosion in the past rather than the future, so I've never, never quite figured that one out, but it's fun to, fun to <laughs> just try to imagine what, the, what that's all about. But that's not, that's not the, the, the physical, biological level, but on a mental level, I think, is where this, this principle really shines for us, is recognizing that each of our thoughts follows the archetype or the pattern or the genetics, if you will, of and the seed, the nature of the seed or the quality of the individual uh, that propagates it. So, so if you, if you think, for example, if I have uh, an archetypal idea of, of uh, a quality of feeling and thought about a particular subject or a particular person or a particular country or a particular, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank, then those thoughts that are like that will tend to aggregate and harmonize, which ties in the law of vibration, and, and then propagate after their kind. So if you think of the yin-yang symbol as being like the, the root structure um, of, of, a, of a vast fractal tree going backwards and forwards through time and generating experience that we can either learn from or, or choose not to, depending on our thought system, uh, then that gives us, a, I think, a really important tool. So then that kind of backs up to um, the previous uh, law, which is cause and effect, which basically, uh, I think, um, the symbol I use for that one is, is like a fractal tree, which ties into, again, uh, the idea that we can either fragment out and, and look at, at the effect as being uh, all sorts of things that is, are impinging on us, or we can bring it back to the center or the root of the tree, which where we recognize, well, that's really the cause, and what happens out of the branches is really just a byproduct of what's gone on underneath in, in the root structure that comes together in that single, that single trunk. And so we can either look at the... Um, uh, you know the dualistic notion that it's it's all these things outside us that that uh, make our reality, which is the ego's um, favorite uh, uh, excuse for <laughs> martyrdom, victimization, all that kind of stuff. Uh, or we can we can recognize that what is coming back to us could also be seen instead of a prison as a classroom uh, and a happy one for seeing what's what's going on around us as the the end product of a cause we've already generated long and probably long ago forgotten about that, you know, the other metaphor I like is the screenplay of our virtual reality film we call our life has our signature on the bottom of every page. And, and uh, sometimes we begrudgingly admit that that's, that's our authorization there, but uh, it, it really is, you know, if we're honest with ourselves. So, so we well, have actually, Bruce, we, we, we're actually uh, we're actually coming up to the end of our time together. So I just want to give oh. you the chance to uh, just let the listeners know how they can actually access your book and, and have a look at those beautiful geometric structures. Oh, certainly, certainly. Uh, yeah, the, I have several websites. The primary two that are probably most interested to the listeners are uh, well, I have a personal blog which is just BruceRawls.com, but the primary two are uh, the uh, geometrycode.com, 
just tours put together, geometrycode.com, and then also ACIM for A Course in Miracles blog.com. And uh, there's lots of lots of resources uh, on both of those sites that are probably of interest to your to your listeners, and uh, um, you know all kinds of links to to related material and everything on, from modern physics to to you know, ancient mystery traditions to all kinds of stuff. And I'm also very active on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and those kind of things too. So I always like hearing back from people and uh, keeping the dialogue going. So. Uh, anyway, thank well, Bruce, I really, really appreciate our time together today, and I, and I applaud you for your courage in tackling what is an incredibly massive topic uh, so clearly and so well in the book that you've written with all beautiful geometric patterns. But, but at the deeper level, this real understanding of, of our need to recognize our oneness with all things. So thank you so much for the work you're doing and for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Peter. really appreciate it, and uh, thanks all, to all the listeners too. Thank you. My guest next week uh, is Gregory Marchand, who's written a wonderful book called Open Heart Runner, where he'll be talking about um, dying for 20 minutes without a pulse and miraculously regaining his life and coming back. And uh, it's all in this very interesting book. And he'll also give us an update on how his life is going today. So uh, look forward to that show next week. Great show with Bruce today. Thank you once again, Bruce. Have oh, a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.